fans, we are on air for Fan for Racing NASCAR Race Review. And this week, we are reviewing the Circuit of the Americas along with Toledo Speedway. Uh, we had all three series uh, racing at COTA this weekend along with the Arkham Art Series out at Toledo Speedway for the first event of the Sioux Chief Showdown. So uh, a lot of exciting racing this weekend. And joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Well, we talked about how exciting this weekend was going to be, and I think it definitely provided some excitement, entertainment, as well as some other things. So we'll get to all that here in the next hour and a half, I imagine. I would imagine so. I think you're right. We're going to start out with uh, the first half hour being all about the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, they have their race out at Toledo Speedway this weekend. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was the first race of the 10-race Sioux Chief Showdown uh, series where Arkham and Art Series drivers can win a championship uh, from those 10 events. So this was the first one out of the box, and uh, we have someone uh, who's at the top of the leaderboard there. We'll talk all about that during this first half hour, and we'll also give you a couple of updates here from the ARCA East and the ARCA West Series. They did not race this weekend, but they have upcoming races in the books, and we'll talk about that. Uh, at the top of the hour, 9 o'clock Eastern, we will get into the NASCAR Truck Series at Circuit of the Americas, and their race will review the Xfinity Series race uh, about 20 minutes into that half hour, and then 20 minutes to the next uh, top of the hour, we'll uh, cover the NASCAR Cup Series at CODA. So all three series racing this weekend, all three have winners, and we will cover all of that. 10 o'clock, of course, is our uh, hot topic sound off with our fan for racing crew. I think Mike's not able to join us tonight. I tried to get Owen, and Owen was not available either. So I think it's just going to be you, me, and Andy, Jay. Back to the old days. Uh, what? Yeah, uh, yeah. We're going way back there to when we started this. What about uh, what about Tommy? I, I and I did not get a chance to check with Tommy. So I I usually check for Tommy on Thursdays, and uh, uh, I can try leaving him a message now, but uh, it might be too late of notice. Well, I was going to say, you might want to try. I did see he was active as he made his pick in the uh, in the group chat. So uh, I don't okay. know if he can do it on the fly or not, but I, I certainly would love to have him <laughs> on. He always brings another different perspective, which we all like. We may not agree, but yes, we do indeed. respect and like. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't, we don't mind if people disagree with us. Uh, sometimes we agree to disagree. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and get into the Earth's Potato Chips 200 at Toledo Speedway this weekend. Ty Gibbs uh, bringing home his third victory of this season. Uh, the 18-year-old is uh, really amazing. Uh, he did not lead every lap, though, this week. He had some adversity to overcome, Jay. Yeah, and you like to see that. I know one thing already looking at looking at it and uh, replaying the, the race in my mind, we talked about this, and I think it was me that took Corey Hyman, Ty Gibbs, and you took the field. 
you know, I came out on top of that one, and I don't always like to see it, but you got to appreciate what these two drivers are doing. They're at the top of their game. They're with good teams. So you kind of come to expect that. Ty Gibbs led 153 laps, Corey Heim 47, and they were your only two lap leaders. But that doesn't mean it wasn't a good race, as you mentioned. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm sending that message uh, to uh, Tommy right now. So if you want to continue, that's fine with me. Okay. Well, we'll start with, whoops, I shifted pages. Uh, the rundown from the results, uh, Ty Gibbs, your winner, uh, mentioned Corey Heim. Third, third place, Nick Sanchez. Fourth place was our guest, Jesse Love. Fifth place, Thad Moffitt uh, as your top five. So we'll start there. Some great runs by Nick Sanchez, Jesse Love, and Thad Moffitt. Uh, we know Jesse Love going for that Sioux Chief showdown. If and we'd presume that Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim are going to be all of them or be in all of the races. That's going to be a battle for that separately. But he does at least have the shot at it, uh, getting a top five finish there right behind him, as well as Nick Sanchez and Thad Moffitt. So. I'm glad to see we didn't have him way down at the bottom, that he doesn't even have a shot after one race or have a big hole to dig out of. But that competition, and he knew it. Uh, you know, when we talked to him, and he enjoys it. Because, again, that puts that carrot in front of them, and they have that to go after. So, you know, we talked about that. It's the fans that have the problem with the, the one, one or two drivers being dominant or top drivers coming down to a lower series. These other drivers love it. They know where they got to be. They know where they're at and where they got to be, and they're going to work that much harder. So uh, you got to appreciate that. that. They did run with them. Um, and I, I thought, like I said, throughout the rest of the field, there was some good racing, uh, whether it be the two out front that led all the laps or not. Yes, indeed. Uh, Nick Sanchez, who's running the uh, full season this year in the Arkham Art Series, uh, coming home with that third place for Rev Racing. I thought that was great to see. And uh, you mentioned it, Jesse Love from the West, uh, going for that Sioux Chief Showdown uh, Championship. We talked to him last Thursday. If you haven't heard that show, uh, I believe we talked to him within the first half hour, if you want to go back and listen to the interview that we had with Jesse Love last Thursday night. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be fun to watch. There's uh, nine more races, and uh, these races count toward the Arkham Menard Series Championship as well. So the standings there, uh, Corey Heim is still in the lead, but it's Ty Gibbs now in second place, just 17 points behind Corey Heim. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a battle throughout the year. I know Gibbs maybe gets more of the attention. Uh, you mentioned that adversity, and I was trying to go back to that, um, to look at that. Gibbs led the first 131 laps there at Toledo before his top rival in the 2021 championship, Corey Heim, nudged him up the racetrack and out of the lead with 68 laps to go. Gibbs dropped back as far as third but he recovered and charged back to Heim's bumper and then on lap 179 took back that top position for good as he finished off the race. Yes, indeed. So uh, Corey Heim did give him a little bit of a battle there. Uh, the third win for Gibbs uh, means that uh, this season breaks a tie with Heim 
for the most in the series. Uh, they were both at two wins for the season. And so uh, Gibbs now has the edge with that third victory. And it's also his 11th Arkham Menard Series win, uh, dating back to 2019. So he's been racing part-time. Uh, this is this season he's racing full-time. So uh, I, I look for him to challenge for that championship without, uh, without any doubt, him and Heim both. Yeah, hopefully we do see it. And, and you talked about uh, Rev Racing. Uh, I believe this is their first full-time in the main Arkham Menard Series this year with Nick Sanchez. So, again, establishing where they're at right now in, say, third place, they know where they got to build just a little bit more to reach the level of Joe Gibbs Racing uh, and Ty Gibbs. But, like I said, that gives them that carrot, and, and they're focused on what they need, uh, I think is a good thing, and we'll see if throughout this season they can't step up and challenge a little more side-by-side side with these front two runners. Exactly right. Jesse Love finished fourth. Uh, from the West, and, and again, he's going for that Sioux Chief Showdown Championship. Then it was Cole Williams, Gracie Trotter, also with Benjerini, Alex Club, A.J. Moyer, Dick Doheny. They round out the top ten. Moyer and Doheny earning their first top ten finishes in the Arkham Art Series this weekend. So uh, uh, this uh, next week, uh, they will be racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. That's going to be a big stage home track for a lot of uh, these drivers. The General Tire 150 will be on Saturday, May the 29th. Uh, the race is scheduled at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will be broadcast live on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Jay and I will be talking more about, well, no, it might not be you, Jay. It might be Andy. <laughs> that We'll be talking more about this race at Charlotte Motor Speedway on Thursday night. Yeah, hopefully uh, Andy is able to help out there. Again, I am supposed to be starting a vacation here, a mini vacation for Memorial Day weekend. Uh, but this is a big weekend, like you mentioned, at Charlotte. Uh, I don't know if in the Arkham Menards main series it's as a home track as, as uh, the Xfinity or Cup and Trucks, but it certainly still is the hub of NASCAR there right in Charlotte. So... Uh, always a big stage, and this year, uh, I'm trying to think back now if I remember, well, last year was kind of a fluke anyway, but with the COVID, of having four, uh, the NASCAR's top three series, all three running, and then the Arc Menard series for four races there at Charlotte. Yes, yes. So um, it, it is kind of cool to see them uh, out there on the stage with the uh, NASCAR's other three series. And it's great visibility for all of these drivers. And sometimes you see some of the truck series drivers or the uh, uh, Xfinity series drivers. Uh, and on occasion, you might get a cup driver. But you'll see some other drivers that will be in this event uh, out there at Charlotte. Now, for the Suchi Showdown uh, uh, point standings, this is uh, pretty much the way they finish, the way the point standings are going to fall out because it's the first race of the showdown. So Ty Gibbs has the uh, lead there right now over Corey Heim, Nick Sanchez, and Jesse Love with Dad Moffat rounding up that top ten, or top five, I mean. And, and again, that is an opportunity, like you said, for some drivers to shine that may not even have the chance if they can't run the full Arkham Menard series if they can at least get into those 10 Sioux Chief Showdown races 
whether they win it or not and are able to topple Gibbs, the competition and being there with them um, highlights them throughout the year. Uh, so normally the case is that it's a matter of they can't run all the races um, based mm-hmm. on age, typically. Um, so we'll see that. Something else you mentioned there, I was just thinking uh, – how much, uh, even in, in three years, we've really begun to think alike because you started talking about what I was going to say next. The other drivers we might see this weekend in the Arkham Menard Series race, uh, whether it be from the Xfinity trucks or possibly even Cup. Uh, like you said, I don't know that I've seen many Cup drivers go down to the Arkham Menard Series, but it's possible. But I do think we see a, a little bit more of a flux of other drivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in front of the hometown crowd there. And it gives them a chance to get some, uh, you know, some laps in uh, before their main event, whether it be the truck series or the Xfinity series. Uh, so so it's all good and well. We like seeing all the drivers out there on the track uh, to make this competition uh, exciting. Uh, as far as the Arkham and Art Series points, I mentioned earlier, Corey Heim has the lead there right now, but just by 17 points, over Ty Gibbs in second place. Dad Moffat is the third-place driver, Nick Sanchez in fourth, and D.L. Wilson, uh, kind of a surprise there, rounds out the top five there. Uh, but uh, kind of an interesting lineup there for that top five. It is. And Dad Moffat is one that, that I know I, I wanted to said at the beginning of the year to keep your eye on this year uh, as he gets a into the groove of uh, with the same team. Uh, Nick Sanchez, I mentioned with Rev Racing, their first full-time year Arkham Menards level, they have primarily been an East Series only uh, team. So to see them there. And then D.L. Wilson, and I will say this, uh, those are the five drivers that have made all five races. Beside Drew Dollar, Kyle Sieg, and Jack Wood drop in positions because they, miss, they were not in this race. Uh, Drew Dollar is one that, that allowed Jesse Love the opportunity, I believe. Mm-hmm. So there again, see that mixture up uh, within the top ten. Uh, and I know for the championship, it kind of narrows it down. Like I said, only five drivers have run all five races so far. But as a fan, if you're really involved and invested in the series, seeing these other names, whether they're winning week in or week out, the races they do make, where they finish, and how they, they stack up. Again, they're building their opportunity. Their day is going to come. As these guys move up to another level, the Xfinity or Cups or Trucks, they're the ones next in line to take these spots. So, you know, it's kind of biding your time, if you will. Absolutely. And uh, it's great experience for these guys. Uh, a lot of these drivers you'll see move up to the Truck Series or the Xfinity Series next year. Uh, I w- we've already seen that with Ty Gibbs. He won his very first Xfinity Series race at the Daytona Road Course earlier this year. So uh, this is where they get started is in the Arkham Menard Series. And uh, this is where you kind of get to know them before they uh, become stars within the NASCAR's Top 3. So uh, definitely worth tuning in. These guys put on a good show. And uh, we'll have a lot of good racing to look forward to here as the season continues. Uh, Now, uh, as far as um, the other series, there are a couple of other series here with the ARCA East and the ARCA West. And uh, as I mentioned, 
they're going to be racing out at uh, Dover this weekend. So that's going to be something. I said Dover. I meant Charlotte. They're going to be racing out at Charlotte this weekend. And uh, that's going to be a big event for these guys. That's the regular Arkham Menard Series that's racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, then on June 4th is the next Sioux Chief Showdown event at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. Now, that's a road course, so that's going to shake it up a little bit in the Sioux Chief Showdown. One of the things that's kind of cool about this uh, 10 races within the, the main series is that they visit a variety of different tracks. So we saw them uh, this past weekend at Toledo Speedway. Their next race is going to be a Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, uh, a road course. So they'll test the road racing skills at that uh, Dawn 150 on June 4th. Well, I can, I can hear what I call the, the negative Nellies or negative Nancys saying, well, if it's a road course, <laughs> Ty Gibbs has already run on a road course. But as we saw in some of the other series, some of these teams then put a road course ringer in the, in there, and I think we will see Ty Gibbs have to mix it up on that one. We'll have to wait and see what the entry list looks like. But there again, you could see some road course ringers come into play, and that's going to give him yeah. some stiff competition. It certainly will. So uh, something to definitely look forward to. Now, there's another road course race on the schedule on June 5th. It's the same weekend, but it's the Arkham and Art Series West that will be racing at Sonoma Raceway out on the West Coast. That race is 2 p.m. Pacific time, but it'll be 5 p.m. Eastern time, the General Tire 200. Uh, the the Suit Chief Showdown, by the way, I don't think I mentioned it, is going to be televised on Fox Sports 1. Well, the Arkham and Art Series West at Sonoma is going to be live-streamed on NBC Gold's Track Pass. So if you're not a member of that yet, definitely sign up for it because then you'll be able to watch the live streaming of these races. Uh, certainly an avenue to go. Uh, I know I try, I try generally try and follow along uh, on the from the Arkham Menards Home Series a chat page they have on there. But if you have the opportunity mm-hmm. and, and utilize the live streaming, uh, certainly a great way. I know Mav TV, Mav TV is doing a lot with the Arkham Menards Series here, and they've stepped up their coverage. So uh, as we progress, this this is still relatively new deal with NASCAR, Arkham Menards, and then Mav TV. I think we're going to just see it grow and grow. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I think that uh, as time marches on here, we'll get more and more coverage uh, with these series. Now, the Arkham and Art Series East, their next race is the Southern National 200 at Southern National Motorsports Park. That race will take place on June the 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And, again, that's going to be for track pass. Uh, NBC Gold members, uh, the live streaming. But like Jay mentioned, you can go to ArcaRacing.com and listen to their radio broadcast of that race as well. I, di- I just thought about that. It's maybe maybe that's where I go because as a, as a radio or a announcer, that's the one I prefer to listen to versus the television coverage. <laughs> so I might be biased with that, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, well, whatever works. You know, the, the nice thing is that there is a variety of ways for uh, fans to tune in. So whatever works best for, for each individual is kind of the key here, and, and they make it easy uh, for people to find a way to make uh, to make it work and to be able to follow along. 
Okay, so that gets you up to date with when all the next races are within the Arkham Menard series. Um, I thought the racing this weekend uh, was really good. Uh, I, I'm glad to see that the Sioux Chief Showdown has started, and I can't wait to see how it continues to play out. I think the two main players, Jay, are going to be Corey Hines and Ty Gibbs. But I think that there are going to be drivers that will shake it up a little bit along the way. Like you mentioned, uh, the, the, sh- the road course, I think, is going to be one of them, as, as we may see some, as I call them, road course ringers uh, come into play. Now, obviously, Ty Gibbs has shown he is adept at road course racing, getting his NASCAR Xfinity Series win on the road course at Daytona. But if you bring somebody in that has great experience at Mid-Ohio, uh, I think he, he really could be in for a challenge. And it'll be interesting to see. We talked about this little bump and run and nudge between him, uh, mm-hmm. Corey Heim and himself. I didn't see any kind of great animosity there, but as the, as the year goes and the, the points become more valuable, to see how much that rivalry uh, intensifies, I'll use that word. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, I know some of the other drivers, when we talked to Mason Diaz, I know Mason said it's really tough to beat. Uh, the the Toyota cars this year. You've got Corey Heim that's racing as well as uh, Ty Gibbs, and both of those cars are very strong. So uh, we'll have to see if anybody rises uh, to the top there to give these guys a challenge. Um, just an FYI, Jay, I was able to get a hold of Tommy, and he will be on Hot Topics tonight. So uh, I'm really glad that he was available. Well, and I said, I'd just seen him on. I knew he was active on social media as he did put in his race pick. Uh, I was happy to see him on. I'm not saying I'm happy with the pick he took because i got to go further on down the list this uh, <laughs> this week. But, you know, there again, it, it's in fun. And uh, so got to give him a hard time. Uh, every week somebody's taking somebody's pick, right? Yep, that happens. Uh, Jay, let's go ahead and give an update on what's happening with our fantasy picks after Coda this week. All right. Let me see where I got those stored. I know I did update them this morning. Uh, Talk about tight, tight points. We'll start with the truck series here. What do we got? Seven minutes. Okay. The truck series. Sharon, got three fingers. Hold them up. You have a (laughs) three-point lead over myself. You're at 39. I'm at 36. Andy's there at 32 along with Mike at 32. Tommy's at 31. Sam at 29, uh, Owen at 25, and James at 20. Top to bottom, eight of us. There's only a 19-point difference there from top to bottom. Well, now, wait a minute. If I'm looking at this way, Andy and I are tied in the truck series. No, wait a second. Okay, you're not looking. I'm never mind. You're not looking at it right. Andy and Mike are tied. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, at 32. I'm confused. (laughs) Okay. No, that's that's what I said. Uh, You were correct. You said if you weren't looking at it right. Now, Mike, you're not looking at it right then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I was confused there. Okay. On the extended side, it is still a three-point advantage. Here it is, Mike. He sits at 48. Andy is at 45. James is at 40, Sam at 39, uh, I'm back to 35 points, Owen's at 34, Sharon at 33, 
and Tommy at 27. Now here, the Xfinity Series, there's a bigger gap. It is 21 points, um, but Tommy got a short a race or two there in the Xfinity Series mm-hmm. versus only one in the trucks. On the Cup side, yep. I'm feeling kind of good. I'm feeling kind of good here. I have a huge point lead of seven points, less than a race. <laughs> uh, I'm at 74. Sam has come into play at 67. Mike is at 65, Sharon at 64, Owen at 60, James at 47, Tommy at 42, and Andy at 29. And I'd like to say that Andy got a short start there, but he is consistently stuck with Chase Briscoe. This week it actually got him some solid points, but he's digging a hole there for himself, I think. But he knows that. He knew that going in. He said, I'm going to stand by my man. Yep, and he is too. On the overall, and and this just amazes me, all three series, the late start, 45 points total from top to bottom. And I are tied. I don't have the lead. I I, I got the top spot because for us, the tiebreaker when I sorted is apparently alphabetical. So J starts with uh, (laughs) J and M starts with uh, M, or Mike starts with an M. But we are tied at 145. The point lead there is nine points. Sharon is next at 136, Sam at 135. A little bit of a gap back to Owen at 119, James at 107, Andy at 106, and Tommy is at 100. Uh, But, again, for three series, eight points a week, that's 24 points. Uh, One week could do it, uh, bring him right back into it. Yes, indeed. So, uh... It's getting tight here. I knew I wasn't going to be able to hold on to that lead for the entire season, and I saw it slipping away. Uh, I think I've had some good picks. It's just that they've had bad situations happen. So it's my misfortune on that regard. Well, and I know you say that, and I get to talk to you week in and week out, but when I look at it statistically and got to go back and uh, to message James, in the three years, I think he's been doing it for two, but uh, he, I think, has to rank at the top of making the right pick and just them having that bad week. He had Kevin Harvick this week. Uh, should have been a top ten, in my opinion, and I know I got burned with him in a family league. Uh, that was just mm-hmm. unbelievable. Uh, and I'm sure we'll bring up Kevin Harvick's name later on in Hot Topics as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had that feeling we might. Okay. So, well, thank you, Jay, for doing everything you do to kind of keep us on track with our fantasy uh, racing group here at Fan for Racing. Uh, we do it for bragging rights. There's no money involved. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, Jay comes out and told us what the pick order is for the week, and everybody responds with who their pick is, and, and everybody plays nice, and we have a good time and a lot of fun with it. I did, and I don't know if anybody else noticed, but uh, do try and keep it fair and still have some rules to it. It's not just a wild free-for-all, but I, I thought about it after the race. I don't know if you saw what, the put a, what I put up in the messenger for uh, the Xfinity series. I had Noah Gregson. He finished last because he was penalized. I got first pick in Austin Sindrick and kept it. When Gregson's penalty got overturned, I took the points back, that he should have earned, but I didn't adjust the pick to it. So this week, thanks to Noah Gregson yet again, I should have been first because he finished last. 
I went and put myself back where I should have that week. Uh, I know we've talked about this before. We still try and have fun and keep some rules to it. But to be fair, I was like, I shouldn't have had that pick that week. So I, I put myself back. And I, I know Mike uh, was the one I really wanted to point it out, especially since it was Gregson that, that caused it. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for doing that, Jay. Uh, I know you do you do a good job of keeping it fair for everybody and uh, uh, making sure that we all know where everybody stands. So uh, we really appreciate everything that you do in that regard. Not a problem. I do enjoy it. And, and, and truthfully, now that I'm thinking about it, you might have been in my head, Sharon. I'm like, if I'm going to brag about being the champion of the Fan for Racing Fantasy Group, I don't want you to have that doubt of if there was a uh, cheating involved or you know what. <laughs> You want, you want to see a champion that earned it, right? Isn't that what you always say? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm my sentiments. <laughs> um, okay, so we're at the top of the hour. Let's go ahead and get into the Camping World Truck Series race, uh, the inaugural race at Circuit of the Americas this weekend. Uh, they raced on Saturday, uh, the Toyota Tundra 225, uh, and Todd Gilliland, was so fast and so determined to be out front in Saturday's race, uh, his own race, race team had to remind him to kind of slow it down uh, and make sure he was taking care of his tires in those closing laps of the series debut. I think they were a little worried that maybe uh, he'd ruin his tires and lose that gap that he had. Uh, but, no, it didn't happen. Uh, he He was so elated. Uh, Todd Gilliland in the number 38 won the inaugural uh, truck series race at Circuit of the Americas on Saturday afternoon. It was his first win of the season, the second of his career, uh, and uh, uh, David Gilliland driving for the number 38 front row motorsports will go down in the history books as the very first driver to win a NASCAR-sanctioned event on the 3.41-mile Texas track. Kaz Grala in the number two uh, finished in second. That uh, entry is usually piloted by Chris Wright, uh, but Kaz Grala brought it home in a second-place finish. The pole winner, Tyler Ankrum, uh, in the number 26, finished in third place. Then it was Grant Dinfinger, Sheldon Creed, Sam Mayer in the number 32, Carson Hosevar, Zane Smith, Austin Hill, and Ben Rhodes rounding out the top 10 drivers. Gilliland won the first stage. Ben Rhodes won stage two. And there were eight lead changes among six drivers and two cautions for two yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 70.79 miles per hour. Uh, some of the race uh, fast facts include Todd Gilliland, winning uh, this race for his second victory in 80 Truck Series starts. It was his first victory and fifth top 10 finish this year and the first victory and first top 10 finish in one race at the Circuit of the Americas. Kaz Grala, second, posting his first top 10 finish in one race at Circuit of the Americas and his second top 10 finish this year. Tyler Ankrum posting his first top 10 finish at Circuit of the Americas. Carson Hosefar, who finished in seventh place, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And John Hunter Nemechek currently leads the series point standings by 31 points of 
than roads. We'll give you more details there in just a few minutes. Well, as you, as you said, there's a lot of information there. We'll try and break it down, and, and I know we got 20 minutes, so I'll try to be quick about it. But first off, you mentioned it, inaugural event, Todd Gillen, the first winner of it. I think this is so huge in so many ways for him as a driver, uh, that team. And I know thinking back, uh, I really had considered him as a pick based off his experience at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. Um, and I mm-hmm. think he mentioned that he kind of felt vindicated or the announce team did one of the two, but he definitely was on a mission uh, throughout the closing parts of stages, as well as even at, when he was sniffing the lead, whether it be mid race, uh, he really did push that truck to its limits uh, in, in attempting <laughs> to get, make passes and they were clean passes. I mean, he worked and worked and set it up and eventually made it successful. So, so, Awesome racing in the truck series, if you ask me. Okay, and and it was raining uh, during that race as well, so we got to see them racing uh, on with the rain tires and the uh, uh, windshield wipers. It was, and we've seen this before. With, uh, I think it was Xfinity series that were the first ones to run in the rain tires, but we've seen it in the trucks before. And I'll get to that a little bit more if we got time at the end. I know it's going to come up in Hot Topics as well, but the Truck Series did a great job. We saw some great racing. I know the rain was a little heavier on Sunday, if you will, but I thought the Truck Series did a great job. And going down, wrap up here in the top five, Kaz Grell, a great run. Uh, that was my pick. Uh, it's one of those, get him a sponsor, get him a ride, because this man can drive. Uh, he so mm-hmm. deserves uh, a full-time ride in that opportunity. He has showed up and showed out in every event he has been in in any vehicle. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I know that I know that Cass Grala, he was driving for Young Motorsports, I think, this weekend. He is just very, very talented when it comes to the road course events. And he has experience in the rain. Very similar to um, Austin Sindrick when we saw him racing in the Cup Series. Uh, he knows how to maneuver his car under rain conditions, and that showed in the early part of that race, as it did with Casarella. Then we move on to Tyler Ankrum, uh, another one turning his season around, getting back into the championship hunt. Uh, once he gets that win, we've seen him be in the playoffs before. And I really think here, fourth place for Grant Enfer in the number nine for Cody, Cody Robaw Racing. Uh, I really think he's making a case that even if he's missing that one start, that he may apply for that playoff waiver because he has gotten a ride in every race except that first one. And and being in the top five, top ten every week, going to make that case that he should get a playoff waiver. Okay. Anybody else you want to make sure you mention? Uh, let's see, uh, rookie Carson Horsevar, you mentioned him as being the top finishing rookie coming home in seventh place. Great run for him. We saw a mixture, uh, some big names that maybe dropped back. Um, Sam Mayer. Uh, again, he's g- <laughs> What's that? Matt Crafton fell back. I know that. Yeah, uh, we talked about it going into the race. Paul Menard, uh, first time in, mm-hmm. uh, what, three years? And I don't remember in the truck series, uh, it was longer than that. But 
showed up with an 11th place finish. Uh, great run for him. Kind of got a hit on John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, you know, I know they talked about that throughout the broadcast. Kind of a surprise because he wasn't a top runner, top competitor. He was qualified sixth, but really wasn't a factor all day. So that was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people expected him to be up there in the top five at least. Uh, and he came home with a 12th place finish. Uh, same thing with Parker Chase. I kind of was thinking Parker would have a little bit better run. He, he was in Kyle Busch Motorsports Equipment in the number 51. And somebody did pick him. I forget who it was now uh, in this truck series race. But I kind of expected that he would have had a better run than what he had this weekend. You know, and I don't know if they had a, had an issue. We saw flashes of his talent. Uh, I'm trying to look here. No, he finished it. Finished on the lead lap. Um, but you're right. We did maybe did have a little bit more expectations from him uh, as a road course veteran and uh, being paired up in Kyle Busch Motorsports. But, again, coming from different cars or a different series, you know, the trucks mm-hmm. are different. So, uh, 18th place finish after an eighth place start, and there too, the eighth place starting position kind of led to that. And I think it was early on. So, like I said, I think maybe they just, uh, and there again, the communication first time with the team, communication with the crew chief, maybe what he needed to, to continue that type of run um, just didn't happen. We don't know that for sure, but he definitely fell off. He, he, he did start up front and showed some of that talent, and I'm sure that's why they brought him in. Just didn't quite get the finish we expected, or I'm sure he wanted. Mm-hmm. But like so often, uh, the road course ringers have been coming in uh, to race in these series, and we'll see it in the other series as well, uh, and they don't get the results that you kind of halfway expect. And it's because these drivers have gotten so good at the road courses themselves. And uh, with the number of road courses uh, that we have throughout the three series this year, uh, it's a good thing that they're getting better because uh, they'll have a lot of opportunities throughout the season to run again on road courses. Well, and that and that goes back to, I think, especially going back up to Todd Gillen coming through the Arca Menards uh, East Series, East and West, actually, um, that you, they have that experience, so they're more adept at it because they have run more even at such a young age when they get to it. So they're not coming from another series, but that's, I think, a little bit more of an advantage of running in the Arca Menard series on the road courses when you get to the trucks, Xfinity, and then Cup. So, and, and that mm-hmm. kind of establishes some of these drivers. Some of them do come from other road racing series, but these drivers still coming through the NASCAR side of it but getting that experience on road courses. So, yeah, they are more competitive when it comes to that. You're right. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and hit the points. All right. Pull that one up. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek is still your points leader. Nine races on the year for the Camping World Truck Series. Does have the two wins, seven stage wins for a total of 17 playoff points. Ben Rhodes, 31 back. He got his two wins earlier. Kind of a little bit of a slump or a dip, if you will, but seems to be back running more consistently. Does have the two wins. One stage win puts him at 11 playoff points. 
Sheldon Creed just got his first win of the year, is 69 points back. Uh, with that race win, he's got five playoff points. Austin Hill, 93 back, no wins, no stage points. Todd Gilliland now moves into the fifth spot with that win, and two stage wins gives him a total of seven playoff points. Matt Crafton, the veteran, we've seen this before, just steady Eddie, if you will, 111 points back, doesn't have any stage wins, though. Uh, that might come into play as we enter into the playoffs. I mentioned Grant, Grant Infinger, seventh in points. Make sure I'm on the right line, yep. Seventh in points, uh, only eight races. He is missing one race. He's still only 130 points out and does have a stage win. Then we got Zane Smith, Stuart Friesen, and Carson Horsevar. Eighth, uh, ninth, and tenth, 137, 139. And then Carson Horsevar is in the tenth spot, which we're going to focus on here in a minute. Uh, none of them have stage points. Actually, I'm not seeing any other stage points all the way down. Actually, Raphael Lassard, but he is no longer in a ride. So, uh, tenth spot, we'll focus on that because that's your cutoff for the Camping World Truck Series playoffs. Uh, Horsevar as a rookie, the one that is in right now is sitting at, oh, my line jumped again, uh, 225 points. Veteran and champion Johnny Sauter is at 215, so 10 points back. Austin Wayne Self, 16 points back, and this is just from 10th. Chandler Smith, your other rookie, now you're looking at 30, 45 points back. But that's where it's going to get interesting, especially as some of these drivers, Chandler Smith being a rookie, Haley Deegan is in 15th, uh, quite a few points back, 154, so almost 75 points back. But several of these drivers still capable of winning. Chandler Smith, we've seen Tyler Ankrum, Johnny Sauter. So that could really, really uh, mess up that cut line. And that's why this win, again, I said there's so many reasons this win for Todd Gillen was so important. He was in the 8th or 7th, 8th, ninth area, but that mm-hmm. win should secure him. So not only did he move up to 5th now in points and got a little bit of a cushion, but that win should really secure him if he has a couple of bad weeks. So uh, that, that cut line here in the truck series especially uh, going to get real intense. Yes, indeed, especially as the season continues on. Only nine races into the season so far, so uh, there's still still some more racing to do, of course, but uh, as we get closer to the end of the regular season, uh, it is going to intensify uh, because all these drivers want to be in that top ten so that they can compete for the championship in the playoffs. So uh, they're they're going to be ramping it up as we get closer and closer uh, to the end of the regular season. Uh, okay, uh, and then any other news that we want to make sure we mention here for the Camping World Truck Series? They did have well, the one thing qualifying this week, which was kind of cool. Yeah, we hadn't hit on that. You're right. They they did have. Uh excuse me, uh, qualifying, um, as well as practice. I, I think it was a good thing, um, being that it was the new track, uh, especially with the technical road course that, that Coda is. The one thing I said, if we had time, that I wanted to talk about, the two caution flags were for the stage breaks. 
The truck series was the first ones out as far as race conditions. As you mentioned, it was in wet weather conditions. It was some rain during it. But I thought they put on a phenomenal show for being the first ones and, and the way they handled it being that we didn't see any cautions for wrecks or cars off track. Uh, there was some spins and some bumping and banging. Uh, it wasn't like that was uh, free of that. But it could have. I really, looking at it going into the race, I thought the truck series might be the one that turned out to be a disaster of a demolition derby, put it that way. Mm -hmm. And they really did actually step up and, and greatly perform. Like I said, we saw some great racing, especially for those top positions, Todd, Gill, Todd Gillen, Kaz Grala, um, battling it out, uh, even pushing it that hard. Sheldon Creed was another one. We saw some great side-by-side, -side, like I said, there was some rubbing, some bumping, if you will, but it was clean rubbing. Uh, it, it was really impressive. I was super impressed with the truck series this weekend. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. They, you know, uh, they were the first series to be out there on the track and uh, racing at a track that NASCAR's never raced at before. So there was no notes to fall back on. There was nothing for them to, uh, uh, you know, go to a, 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 you know, what's happened here before uh, kind of uh, uh tire notes or anything other than some testing that they might have done. But uh, the testing, I don't know if they had a chance to test in the rain or not. Testing, uh, if it was in dry conditions, that testing probably isn't going to help them a whole lot when it comes to racing under rain conditions. It it's, it is, but it's not. I mean, again, they at least know where to adjust, say, their braking spots. They know they got to back it up. And we'll talk about this when we get into the hot topic of itself of running rain tires and, and in the rain conditions. But uh, for that first group out, like I said, just thought they did a phenomenal job. The testing, like mm -hmm. I said, it's not going to be uh, rock solid as far as actually driving in the rain. I know we heard several drivers talk about that, that being their first time. Uh, and maybe they were extra cautious then because of it, and and that's kind of what we're all going to go with it when we hit it with the hot topic. But like I said, as a result, I just that that race turned out to be a phenomenal race. I, I got to say it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the uh, uh, Xfinity series. They raced on Saturday as well. And uh, Kyle Busch won the inaugural Xfinity Series race at Circuit of the Americas. The win was his 98th win of his career. Uh, he is the series' all-time wins leader. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger finished second with Justin Algauer, Kevin Harvick, Austin Sendrick uh, all rounding out the top five. The next five drivers were Harrison Burton, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, uh, the first start for Jordan Anderson Racing, by the way, uh, Justin Haley in the number 11, and Jeb Burton in the number 10 round out the rest of the top 10. Uh, the colleague teammates, Algauer, Haley, they both swept the first two stages there were six lead changes among five drivers and four cautions for seven yellow flag laps. The average speed of this race was 72.723 miles per hour. Uh, Kyle Busch 
again, it was his 98th victory in 358 Xfinity Series races, his first victory and first top 10 finish in 2021, and his first victory and first top 10 finish in the only race at the Circuit of the Americas. A.J. Allmendinger in second, posting his first top 10 finish in one race at Dakota, and it was his seventh top 10 finish this year. Justin Algauer in third, posting his first top 10 finish at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, Austin Sindrick continues to lead the point standings now by 77 points over Harrison Burton. Um, you know, Kyle Busch kind of went into this race on Saturday afternoon uh, to kind of educate himself and prepare himself for the cup race on Sunday. Uh, but in the end, it was uh, Kyle Busch putting, putting on a clinic for the rest of the field uh, there at uh, Austin, Texas Circuit of the Americas. All right, bear with me. I just shut down everything I had open, so I'm going to try and get them back oh. open. But doesn't take a, doesn't take a website to talk about Kyle Busch. Uh, no, any driver want, wants that advantage of track time. You know, he said that he needed to do it to get the experience. But we know Kyle Busch. We know he can win wherever he goes, whatever he's in. He didn't necessarily need it, and he showed that in the Xfinity Series. Uh, we know that team was good. Again, Ty Gibbs got the win at the Daytona Road Course. You know, Kyle mentioned that of uh, that maybe that was the, the setup they had or prepared for him to just step into the car. Um, but yeah, Kyle Busch coming into the Xfinity Series, you obviously expect him to be a contender. Kind of a dominating day, but not completely like nobody else ever even had a chance because he did get shuffled back through a series of pit stops. And there were a couple of times where some drivers certainly uh, let him know they were behind him, put it that way. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, uh, you know, and you had that, you had some different drivers uh, in the field. It was uh, drivers like Tyler Reddick and Cole Custer, along with Kevin Harvick, uh, being able to race in this race. Uh, I know they, they really like it when that happens because they learn uh, from those other drivers. But uh, uh, I thought the Xfinity Series drivers uh, kind of held their own as well. When you think about uh, A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Algauer, Austin Sindrick, all of those guys are regulars in the Xfinity Series racing in that top five. Harrison Burton in the top ten, along with Justin Haley and Jeb Burton, uh, in the top ten. Again, I thought they held their own with some uh, very talented drivers uh, from the other series. Well, and this is one where I think we got to look back to take A.J. Allmendinger uh, and Justin Alger out of it. They have Allmendinger coming from a road, uh, road racing background. Algar having the experience in just the, the uh, amount he's run now, both at the Cup and Xfinity Series level. But then you look at Sindrick, Harrison Burton, Cole Custer, and Tyler Reddick. Those are ones that have, within the last couple of years, come out of these feeder systems in the Arkham Menards, Arkham Menards East and West series. So I think that really showed up here on the Xfinity side. We talked about it with Todd Gillen in the trucks. Uh, that group right there just kind of backs up that, uh, that thesis that these guys uh, have developed at a young age that road coursing ability. Um, 
So for most of them, it is a matter of adapting to the oval tracks, which we've seen Austin Sindrick, for example, just like A.J. Allmendinger went through being supposedly just a road course driver. Uh, Austin Sindrick went through that but has proved otherwise. And we're going to see that with the other drivers, Harrison Burton being one. His, his wins actually came on oval tracks, not on the road course. But we see what his talent is there, starting in the 10th position and finishing 6th. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, again, they, they, they put on a good show. Now, their race, I don't think they had to deal with the rain like the other two series did, right? Again, it was actually, and, and with them, I, th- I believe that was the one at least that there really was the question of whether or not to run the wet weather rain tire or the slicks, that there was uh, some possible strategy to be involved with that. And drivers, a couple of drivers that um, started out on the slicks and pretty quickly decided they needed to be on the wet. However, I will say this, Austin Sindrick, and I think he led the – where that one doesn't tell me how how many laps he led. Oh yeah, here we go. And they, uh he led the first two laps, but really did um, display the fact that he did have the slicks on, but was still able to stay out there longer than anybody else and maintain. So that tells you the talent yeah. that he has. I really thought he had led more laps than that. Uh, Tyler Reddick was another one. Um, you know, we expect, like you said, yeah. Justin, Algar, uh, Justin Algar and A.J. Allmendinger to be up there. But those guys and being able to do it with those other tires, because we saw, I think it was lap one when everybody first started coming in saying, no, we made a mistake, switched tires, that he stayed out and led those laps and really did, like I said, maintain. It got to a point where, as they say, once one, once one does it, you have to follow suit or you're going to get eaten up. Right, and I think you're thinking about the cup race. He did lead more laps in the cup race at the front of the field and uh, pretty much put on a clinic for everybody else. He was on slick tires, and it it, it really speaks to the talent that Austin Sendrick brings to the table in the Xfinity Series. He's probably one of the only guys uh, that really had experience on road courses you know, on on rain tires, let alone slick tires. Uh, but he was able to handle the slick tires under rain conditions, uh, which is incredibly difficult to do, especially when you think about a track like Circuit of the Americas, where not only are there a lot of twists and turns, I think 20 turns in all, uh, but there's also the elevation between, uh, you know, the different turns and, and different parts of the track. Uh, so they're going up and down hills and racing on slick tires. That's not an easy thing to do. It's not. I mean, and that's what what is so amazing about, the, like I said, the truck series, but also here in the Xfinity series, of they did have a, a few more cautions with where they had four. One of them was for a car stalled on the track. Um, and as you said that, uh, you were correct, Sharon. Uh, I know you don't, I can't play back a recording already of me, but when I was just talking about Cindric needs to be applied to the cup race, that was the start of the cup race. Kyle Busch started the uh, the Xfinity race out front. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll try and repeat all that when we get to the cup series. But uh, throughout that race, and again, that's why he, when we talk about the points, he is leading the points and has become such a well-versed, well-rounded driver. He may still favor road courses, but he is a contender at each and every track we go to. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, and and his talent is very obvious, uh, no matter what track we go to. So uh, kudos to Austin Sendrick. You want to go ahead and cover the uh, points report for the Xfinity Series? Uh, okay. Prefer I can. No, I can pull it. I got, I got all my pages back up now. Um, oh, okay. Austin Sindrick is your points leader, 471 points, the 77-point lead over second-place Harrison Burton, and that comes off of three race wins and five stage wins for a total of 20 playoff points. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here in the Xfinity Series, I think this is going to be a huge factor. Second in points, no wins but a stage win is Harrison Burton, gives him one playoff point. He's 77 points back. Third is Almendinger. He's got the one win, two stage wins, seven playoff points. Daniel Hemrick now uh, had been throughout the year second in points as the top driver without a win. Harrison Burton's taken that and moved into second. Hemrick's still fourth, though, 88 points back. No wins, but he does have three stage wins now for the three playoff points. Justin Algar, he's picked up two victories plus a stage win, puts him at 11. So he's already nine points behind Cindric, though, when it comes to those playoff points. And those are your top five. Uh, six through 12th, we'll go to 12th here in the Xfinity Series. Jeb Burton does have the one win for five playoff points. Justin Haley, no win, but two points for stage wins. Jeremy Clements still battling and hanging in there in a spot. Uh, no wins or playoff points, but he's uh, at 302 and that puts him about 44 points up, 34 points up on the cut line. Noah Gregson, uh, I talked about him already. Penalty, blow up the motor, whatever, is roller coaster season continuing. Uh, ninth in points at 301 points, no wins, but two stage wins, two playoff points. He is on the positive side of the cut line still right now, though. Myatt Schneider has got a win and five playoff points. And then you got one that's been really climbing the board here as of late. Michael Annette, another junior motorsport, started off the season rough, sits at 279 points in 11th spot. It still doesn't have any stage wins, so no playoff points. The 12th spot, that is Brandon Jones, uh, another one that's had some rough races. He does have one stage win for one playoff point. He's at the cut line at 268 points. Brandon Brown is 13th at 242, so it's a 26-point gap, uh, but a win changes all of that. And you got Riley Herbst. He's at 227. You know he's capable of winning. Uh, Josh Berry has slid back to 15th in points, only nine races out of the 11 run. Uh, I don't know what his intention is because Sam Mayer is getting ready to take that ride if Junior Motorsports has found something for him throughout the year, but I don't think he's going to be a playoff contender. But he does have one point or one win and one stage win, uh, if he so does. Sixteenth, uh, Ryan Sieg. These guys are looking to where they're going to need that win. Uh, Ryan Sieg is sixteenth in points at 208 points. That's sixty some points back. A uh, big hill to climb if you're going to try and point your way in, but I think we're getting into the area where you definitely need a win to move up. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that uh, 
as again, as this continues, there are 11 races into the season, and as it continues, uh, these guys are, are really going to be fighting hard. And then you've got drivers like Josh Berry, who's uh, sitting there in 15th place. He's got the one win already under his belt, but only nine of the 11 races run so far, uh, which uh, if, if NASCAR would have to grant him that waiver if uh, he's going to be in the playoffs this year. But he's, he's got the added pressure of having to look for sponsorship in order to run the rest of the season and put himself in a good position to be able to contend. Um, but he's one of those drivers below the cut line that does have a victory, uh, along with Ty Gibbs. Now, Ty Gibbs is a part-time driver. I don't expect him to race a whole lot of races this season. But he happens to be, uh, you know, a, a part-time driver, uh, five races into the season, who has a victory after winning at the Daytona Road Course. So there's so many things that can happen with these uh, drivers that are below the cut line. Uh, that could put them right up there in contention uh, very quickly. Uh, but they've got to make sure that they know exactly what they want and, and that they're talking to NASCAR now uh, about what their plans are for the future when it comes to all of this. Yeah, I really think even with Josh Berry, we know that Sam Mayer's getting ready to, I believe, at Pocono, which I want to say is either mid-June, take over that uh, number eight junior motorsports team. So it isn't even a matter of, of finding sponsorship. It would be putting another whole team together. Uh, the yeah. other factor there, we've seen the talent of Sam Mayer stepping into the ride that's already won a race this year and has run so strong. That could be another one that in his part-time starts in the second half of the season that we see pick up wins that takes them away from other possibilities for other drivers. So I think that's a huge mm-hmm. factor as well as stage points throughout the, uh, throughout each race. Yeah. I think this is going to be the first year we're going to see this uh, to the degree that we're going to see it uh, in the Xfinity series uh, where you've got two now potentially three drivers below the cut line uh, with victories. And uh, are they able to put themselves in a position uh, to move up when the playoffs begin? So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And uh, I think, again, we're going to see the intensity really ramp up in this Xfinity series uh, to be in those top 12 spots. And uh, it's tight enough that uh, these guys are going to be racing hard uh, to make their statement and to get, you know, take advantage of their chance uh, to make that trip to the playoffs uh, when they begin uh, by getting a win. Well, and the one thing I want to go back to, um, we've got five minutes here before we schedule the move into the Cup Series. Sure. But going back to uh, Kevin Harvick making a start for BJ McLeod in that number five team. And I'm trying to think uh, – Cole Custer was in the number 17. Whose team is that? Cole Custer in what? In the 17 in the Xfinity series. Because I remember them saying as a teammate to somebody. I can't think of whose team he stepped into. But Tyler Reddick starting for um, Jordan Anderson's team. Those three, having these Cup Series drivers go down, run run in their car, give them feedback, as well as establish owner points. 
points, and not not necessarily driver points. Jordan Anderson hadn't been able to start a race this year because he didn't make it into Daytona, and then they never had a chance for qualifying. Tyler Reddick qualified fifth, got an eighth-place finish. That's going to build them points. Same with B.J. McLeod with Harvick. And then, uh, like I said, I can't off the top of my head think of who the 17 belongs to that Cole Custer drove. But th- that means a lot to yeah, those Yeah, I'm trying teams. to find out. Uh, let me see if on the – yeah, that, that one doesn't list the owner either uh, like it does on the entry list. But that that is huge for those teams. And we talked about this uh, with a couple of the points changes that we saw early in the year um, – teams declaring for a different series in points. It might not be about this year specifically that if they are looking to go full-time and contend next year, they got to set themselves up with the, with the team and the points this year to lead into next year so that this doesn't happen to them uh, when it comes down to that. Right. Cole Custer was driving for SS Greenlight Racing this weekend in that number 17. There we go. Uh, thank you. Um, and it, speaking of that, Brett Moffitt, I know he's one that switched, and I want to take a peek at the points in the O2R Motorsports because he is one that switched over to the Xfinity Series points. Right now he is 28th in points at 102 points. Obviously he would need the win, and I believe in the Xfinity Series that he needs to be in the top 25, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he's got a big hill to climb, but they made that decision, and that is one that I think that maybe wasn't necessarily all about this year, but next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it was more about next year uh, with with uh, the, you know uh, that driver. And uh, anyway, I did look at the entry list, and I did see that Cole Custer is racing with SS Greenlight Racing. Uh, I know uh, another driver that drives for that organization is uh, uh, Joe Graff Jr. Now, did you see that Joe Graff Jr. was injured this weekend? Uh, Yeah, we did not talk about that. I'll run down, and I know he didn't have the finish. Uh, Ross Chastain started in the second position but ended up finishing 30th due to uh, he had some mechanical problems early on. He did come back out and run 35 laps out of the 46 after they got it fixed. Uh, from what the reports I heard was that Joe Graff had an injury that was, wasn't going to be able to sustain road course racing. Uh, it's not broke or anything that he couldn't drive, but it was bad enough where that by driving, especially on a road course and that technical of a road course wouldn't have been good for it. So opted to get out of the car and then Ross Chastain stepping in for him. Uh, like I said, uh, unfortunate that they had the issue they had, and I don't remember what the issue was. They went into the pits for 10 laps or whatever, and he came back out and finished uh, 11 laps down. Okay, yeah, Joe Graff Jr. has a strained left knee that he thought would be okay, but he quickly learned during practice, I guess, that uh, it wasn't going to be okay, and he was in too much pain. Uh, with all of the braking and everything that he had to do on the track. So that's why we saw Ross Chastain step in for him in that car uh, this weekend at Coda. So anyway, well, that's and I, uh, part. I got, I got to say, 
that's one one of those things of, uh, and we've seen it in the past, a driver being smart, intelligent, and mature enough to say, hey, it's best for the team, it's best for me personally, and that, you know, your own health and whatnot, to make that decision to step aside and heal properly and be ready when you can get back in. Yes, yes, without a doubt. Uh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and move on now to the uh, Cup Series race uh, that took place on Sunday, uh, and that was a kind of an interesting race. I'm sure we'll have some hot topic discussion with regard to the Cup Series race, but we'll get into uh, what the finishing order and everything is here. Uh, but in the end, it was Chase Elliott, again, the road course master uh, winning at the rain-shortened inaugural race at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, it was unexpected, but there was little else that was predictable about that race at uh, in Austin, Texas. Uh, Elliott came to Coda having won five of the previous ten road races, and on Sunday he happened to be in the right place at the right time uh, when they called the race to be able to be that winner. So uh, they had to call it because there was excessive standing water on the track and there was uh, really a potential danger to the drivers. Um, It was his first win this year and the 12th win of his career. Uh, Kyle Larson finished in second, followed by Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, A.J. Allmendinger, Chase Briscoe, Michael McDowell, and Alex Bowman, along with Reddick, who is the pole winner, and uh, Kyle Busch, uh, that uh, rounded out the top ten there. So Elliott did not have enough gas to finish out the race, but he was staying on tracks on the track in hopes of a caution or heavy rain, and that weight actually paid off for him. Uh, by giving him the victory when the uh, caution came out. There were just 14 laps remaining, uh, but again, NASCAR, I think, made the right call. Earlier, they had to red flag the race to try to remove some of the standing water from the track. Uh, They tried to do that again in this case, but the rain was just too heavy, and uh, they were not able to uh, uh, get the result that they were hoping for. with the air tightens out there on the track uh, and uh, they couldn't keep up with the excess of the rain and they had to uh, call the race. So um, uh, earlier in the race, as I mentioned, they had the red flag for 20 minutes on lap 26 uh, because of the amount of water that was on the track and the limited visibility. We heard a lot of drivers say that they could not see a foot in front of their car and by the time they saw taillights or what the flashing taillight, it was already too late. And I saw on Race Hub or on uh, Fox Sports 1, they were talking about the taillights on those cars, Jay, and they said that they're actually brighter than most taillights that we have on our cars at home, uh, and these drivers still could not see uh, those taillights until they were right up on it. Um, Stage one was run by Joey Logano. Stage two by Kyle Busch. There were 11 lead changes among 10 drivers. Six cautions for 12 yellow flag laps. The average speed of this race was actually slower than the other two races. Uh, The Cup Series uh, average speed was 8.59, 
0.024 miles per hour. Chase Elliott uh, uh, got his 12th victory in 199 Cup Series races, his first victory in eight top 10 finish this year, and his first victory and, of course, first top 10 finish at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, Kyle Larson was second, posting his hey, I'm sorry, <laughs> posting Kyle Larson was second, posting his first top ten finish in one race at Circuit of the Americas. Chase Briscoe, Joe Logano third, uh, posting his uh, first top ten finish in one race at Circuit of the Americas. Chase Briscoe was sixth. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And Denny Hamlin still leads in the series point standings over William Byron. So we'll get into that in just a few minutes here. But uh, any thoughts there with what we saw at Circuit of the Americas? It was kind of amazing uh, just how poor the visibility was uh, with some of those wrecks that happened on the track. And there were a couple of them. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I got about 20 or 15 minutes worth of thoughts, and that's trying to steer clear of the hot topic itself. So we'll, yeah. I'll try my best, but uh, obviously that is what it is about. The If you look at, at the rundown of the finishing order, there's a couple of, uh, if you want to say, surprises, but not really. So you would think it was a typical road course race played out the way it should have. But that is so not the case. Uh, Chase yes. Elliott went in on a road course. Yeah, people probably had money banked on it, and it was a low odds because that was kind of expected. Kyle Larson, I know Mike and I had this discussion, uh, hasn't ever quite had the finish on a road course, but what we've seen, he can run the road course. Able to capitalize and finish where in second. Uh, I didn't even realize that second place yet again. Um, no surprise there. Joey Logano and Ross Chastain, I'd say those were the ones that I'd say aren't a total out of the realm of surprises, but great run for Ross Chastain. I know they need it, and we'll look at that when it comes to the points. A.J. Allmendinger, college racing. Uh, I don't know how many starts they've had this year, but it's been a very few. This is what they're doing, and in the right way, if they're going to go full-time next year, starting their program, getting it set. Albendinger doing his job on the road course. That's why they have him. Uh, not a surprise. Great to see because, again, when you have a startup team, you go through the bumps and the hiccups. Uh, so, you know, it's not a surprise if they don't finish well. Great to see them get that reward of a good finish. And, again, they're setting themselves up for next year's full-time program. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving down, I mentioned this earlier with, with talking about Andy, Chase Briscoe finally coming to a track, uh, you know, as a rookie. Road courses is one where he definitely should be able to shine, and he did, leading the way for Stuart Haas Racing, actually, uh, with a sixth-place finish. Another one we talked about early in the year, Michael McDowell. Could he get another win? Was that Daytona win a fluke? But road courses play into Michael McDowell's favor. Got him a seventh-place finish. We'll talk about where he's at on the cut line. Going to still be tight because Alex Bowman right there with him as well in eighth place. Tyler Reddick, Kyle Busch. Tyler Reddick and the pole. I just I know I've talked about this. These guys coming through the Xfinity and the Arkham Menard series got that road coursing experience. That is not what we normally think of when we think Tyler Reddick, or at least not myself. 
We're talking about the, <laughs> the tracks like Darlington and Miami where you run up on the wall and run on the edge. Uh, road yep. course there, a little bit of a surprise to me, uh, not taken away from his talent. Just we haven't seen that from him consistently on road courses. So great run for him and Richard Childress Racing. And then Kyle Busch, again, not a stellar day, especially coming off the win, but fourth place uh, starting position, 10th place finish. And all that, you got to take into all the other factors, the rain, the wrecks, and everything. And we got 13 more minutes before we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was an amazing race. Um, I know NASCAR was just, they, there was so much build up to this race. And I know NASCAR wanted to get this race in. Uh, and so we knew that they were going to start the race on, on rain tires and, and uh, uh, windshield wipers uh, because it wasn't a matter of if it was going to rain. It was a matter of when it was going to rain, and it did rain. And I think it was just a lot heavier. And I know we'll talk about this in Hot Topics, so I don't want to go too deep in it either. But um, uh, I thought that the drivers tried to do the best they could uh, but they, they really had some difficult challenges there. The one good thing that I think that is going to come out of this, though, Jay, uh, is that we learned a lot uh, about uh, racing on the road course in the rain, uh, especially at Circuit of the Americas, where things are just so different than some of the other uh, road courses that they race on. Uh, with the elevation and the twists and the turns. I don't think we have another road course with 20 turns in it uh, like they had at Circuit of the Americas. But, uh, uh, you know, they, they've learned that uh, they need road flaps <laughs> uh, on, those t- on those cars uh, to kind of keep the splatter down uh, to help with the visibility, I think. And uh, hopefully we'll see some of those changes uh, in the future, especially at a track like uh, Circuit of the Americas. But that can happen just about anywhere. And, uh, you know, maybe it's never going to rain this hard again, but at least they will have had some experience and know what to do differently the next time it comes around. Well, to to not talk about what you're not talking about <laughs> that we're going to talk about in a little bit, Um <laughs> I know I know it's hard because, again, that is what this race was about. Uh, I'll try and wait for 10 more minutes. Uh, I'm about to bust at the seams, though. Um, you're right. The focus is on, on the good thing. Take the positive. First off, learning takes place, and improvements can and will be made. That's almost a guarantee. So that's a positive. The second thing is uh, when I talk about super speedway racing the same way, Call it opportunity races, if you will. And I know we didn't have any super shocking, like I said, Ross Chastain maybe, but again, he's a, he's a, a good driver. Um, going a little bit outside the top ten. Austin Dillon got him a good finish. Chris Busher, Ryan Priest, uh, 15th. Uh, and he was up there mm-hmm. in the top five. So in the event that something happens to some of your top dogs, your favorites, the you don't like to see, but you also know what can come out of it. And that's some of these other drivers maybe get a little more attention than what they normally would. So I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Take the positives that you can from it. 
Um, we like to see it. It may shake up the standings, and we'll get to that here. We'll make sure we get that in before we do uh, move into hot topics. So there are some good things to come out of it. Obviously not the ideal, especially for this inaugural event. as one of those things of that track by itself uh, was going to be such a learning curve. You throw in the rain. You throw in this. Uh, a lot thrown at these drivers, and that is why they're at the top level of the Cup Series. Um, and this is, again, kind of where I'm going to go in hot topics, though. It seemed, though, like the truck series, the lower series, if you will, did better than the cup series, but there were some other factors to it. So I'll mm -hmm. address that when we when we get to it. Uh, like you said, take some positives from it, that learning and improvements are going to be made, and some other highlights of other drivers that we maybe normally don't see. So I, I do take that away from it, and I do think they're going to be back, and I think it's a great thing. I think the community supported that event. Uh, I hadn't realized what a facility that place really is. I'm not a big uh, IndyCar or Formula One watcher, so I didn't truly understand that facility. I kept hearing them say how that was a state-of-the-art facility. I've now seen it firsthand, or on TV anyway. Uh, there's no doubt that is a facility beyond all others, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, yeah, and like you say, we've got a lot to talk about in Hot Topics, so stay tuned uh, because I'm sure we'll get some other opinions uh, as we get into this conversation in, in uh, a little less than eight minutes now. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the series point standings since we're trying to bite our tongues so hard here <laughs> on uh, <laughs> what happened in the cup race. All right. Well, before I get to for uh, before I get to that, whatever I did wrong, where you you said to stop it, I stopped. I don't know what it was, but I stopped. No, I'm just kidding. I know you got you were. I'm sure you were talking to one of the dogs, right? Oh, I am so sorry. Yes, I was. <laughs> and I apologize. Man, I, 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 <laughs> I sat up and I, I, I was like, I don't know what that. I did, but I won't do it again. <laughs> I meant to clarify that, and I totally forgot about it. But, yeah, I was talking to one of the dogs. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I knew that you had the, the two new dogs, so I was pretty sure that's what it was. But that initial reaction was just like, what? I'm, oh, it's the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Uh, all right. So, top of the points. Uh, Sharon already mentioned it. Denny Hamlin, still being consistent. Not quite as big a point lead. It's now 98 points. He does have five stage wins, so it gives him five playoff points. Uh, this one is a little bit surprising, I guess. William Byron, I know Mike's been high on him talking about his consistency. He just came up short. I think he finished 11th. Uh, did not continue his top 10 streak, but not by much. So uh, yeah, that streak does come position. to an end. Yeah, he was one that probably wanted to see it go another lap or two just to get that ten, top ten. <laughs> but he has one win, one stage win, so six playoff points. Kyle Larson is in third. Now, this is another one I kind of want to highlight. One race win, but six stage wins. So he has a total of 11 playoff points. Joey Logano, one win, three uh, stages for eight playoff points. Chase Elliott now into the fifth spot. We've been waiting. He's one of the ones we've 
banked on getting a win this year. We didn't know why he didn't have it yet, along with Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick. But he's now fifth in points, the one win, one stage win for six playoff points. When it comes to the playoff points, Martin Truex is in the lead. He's got 18, but he has three wins, which is 15 of them, and then three stage wins. Ryan Blaney in seventh, one win, three stages, gives him a total of eight. Just mentioned it, Kevin Harvick in a <laughs> unfortunate day there for him at Coda. Uh, I think he had a top 10 car. Having a rough season, eighth in points, zero, zero, and zero when it comes to wins, stage wins, or playoff points. Uh, Brad Keselowski, another one of them that's kind of had a rough spot. One win, one stage win for six playoff points, sitting ninth in points. Tenth is Kyle Busch, and he's on the uprise. One win now, two stage wins, seven playoff points. Now I've got to cover six more here as we get through 16th place. Austin Dillon uh, has gotten zeros, but having some good runs, I think we see him on the uptick. uptick sorry. Alex Bowman, one win. I'm sorry, take that back. Two wins now. No stage wins, mm-hmm. but that does give him 10 playoff points. Another one we talk about good runs. Chris Buescher, uh, one stage win, one playoff point, but is sitting 13th in points. He's at 338. 14th is Christopher Bell, the one win for five playoff points. 15th, here we go, Tyler Reddick, uh, no no wins or no stage wins, and is sitting at 334, 334 points. 16th is Michael McDowell, does have the one win, which is good, because he's right on that cut line and has five playoff points. And he is at 329. So that's where the line is set. Matt DiBenedetto, 296, is 33 points back. Kurt Busch uh, is next. I lost my – there we go. Kurt Busch is at 286, so he's 43 points back. And five back, five back, and three back. Ricky Stenhouse, Ross Chastain, Ryan Newman. And those are your 20, or 19th through 21st. So that cut line could change. Michael McDowell trying to stay in there on his own merit, but if he gets pushed out and we don't have 15 or more winners, uh, if Denny Hamlin or your points leader isn't, uh, hasn't won a race, if not 16, more than 16 different winners, he can get pushed out. And right there we see winners that could, we could have winners. Uh, Matt DiBenedetto, Kurt Busch, Ricky Stenhouse, Ross Chastain, and Ryan Newman. So that is a possibility. Far as even now, what do we got? Fourteen races in, twelve more to go in the regular season. Uh, You're looking at some big points gaps to try and point your way in. (laughs) Uh, It's I wouldn't say impossible yet, uh, but even 33 points for Matt DiBenedetto and 40 for Kurt Busch, that'd be tough because not only do you have to run good, you got to have somebody else drop back, and it can't be one of the drivers that has the win in the bank. So uh, you're going to need to start looking for wins uh, for sure. Exactly right. You know, we've been talking about this all season long. Uh, when the streak of different winners uh, started developing here in the, in the Cup Series, there's only five drivers of the top 16 that do not have a win yet. And all five of those drivers 
are capable of getting a victory before this is all said and done. Twelve races left in the regular season for these five drivers to get a victory. We're talking Denny Hamlin, who's sitting at the top of the points right now. Uh, then the next driver without points is Kevin Harvick. Who would have thought that between Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick? After the season and Chase Elliott just got his. Year, and Chase Elliott That's just right. got his. But who would have thought that, that, that this could be the case in, in 2021, that Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, after 14 races, are still sitting on goose eggs. Uh, the next driver on a goose egg is Austin Dillon. He's in 11th place with zero wins. Chris Busher in 13th place with zero wins. And Tyler Reddick is the fifth driver, uh, sitting in 15th place with no wins yet this season. I think any one of those drivers are certainly capable of coming up with a victory uh, before the regular season ends. And I really think the closer we get, the more likely it becomes that we're gonna, you're going to have to have a win in order to get in this season. Um, and those guys that are sitting on goose eggs right now, all of a sudden they become a little more vulnerable if somebody below that cut line comes up with a win like a Kurt Busch or Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, if one of those guys were to get a win, they are going to push out uh, some of these drivers like Tyler Ruddick, who's sitting in 15th place with that, without a win. So that's how important these next races are, these next 12 races are. And I think we're going to, we're already seeing things that we haven't seen with this playoff system before. Uh, and it is playing out. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to continue to play out for the rest of the season in this manner. All right. Well, while you will get ready to bring in our other two for hot topics, I want to respond there. This year specifically, it has been highlighted that winning one race a year, and I hate to call anybody out, but you mentioned it, uh, Austin Dillett, Alex Bowman prior to this year, uh, Christopher Bell got his. Tyler Reddick, we mentioned, uh, certainly has, has been in that area. And then Matt, Michael McDowell. Uh, in years past, we've only had 11 winners, 12 winners, so you had four spots where you could point in without getting a win. I, you know, that This year, we're, we're not seeing that gap or that comfort level of that, and these teams are right on that verge, either, again, getting one win per year and just making it into the playoffs on that, that's not going to be good enough anymore. And I love to see that. And I'm hoping NASCAR looks at where that cut line is. If we get 18 winners, I hope they let 18 into the playoffs. Because uh, I think here as we get down the line and teams, secondary teams become more competitive, we might see this more into the future. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely an interesting scenario that's shaping up there in this Cup Series. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our uh, hot topic sound off. It is at the top of the hour, uh, one minute past already, and uh, our players are here. Uh, first of all, we have uh, Andy Lasky uh, joining us tonight. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you, Sharon. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing pretty well. And uh, also joining us for tonight is Tommy. Welcome back, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me. Well, it's always a pleasure. And uh, again, I apologize for the late notice, but I'm so happy you were able to join us. Thanks for having me back. Uh, 
Thank you. Okay. Uh, Andy, let's go ahead and get kick off our uh, Hot Topic sound off. Uh, Jay and I have been kind of biting at the bit uh, and biting our tongue, uh, not to get into Hot Topics too soon here, uh, but let's go ahead and kick it off, and you get to start us off. Well, did was there anything that happened this weekend, guys? Can you help me out a little <laughs> bit? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, obviously um, an inaugural racing weekend at Circuit of the Americas obviously lends itself to some pretty big topics. And why don't we start out with the one I think everyone's been debating since yesterday afternoon. Can NASCAR race in the rain? Thoughts on that? Okay, Tommy, you get to uh, have the first comments on it. So, um, I think that they should still race in the rain. However, not like that. Um, that was a little bit too much. Right at, they probably, like Clint Boyer said, should have used the air dryers after the first incident, which had Blaney, Bubba Wallace, Harvick, and uh, someone else. Um, was it Christopher Bell? Yeah, it, it was those four. And then right after that, Cole Custer and Truex. So, um and uh, Michael McDowell was in that as well. So Clint Boyer said okay. they should have used it before then, and I, I agree. I think they should use it after the first accident. So um, I still do think they should race in the rain, kind of like uh, Ty Gibbs kind of won the road course this year, and it was, it was you know, kind of raining, but it wasn't that bad. It This was – this was probably definitely the heaviest downpour I've seen them race in, and you could just the spray was everywhere. That I know they could not see. It was about like the Bristol dirt, and Harvick wasn't happy. I saw that after the race, um, or like during Twitter or during the race. Um, I mean, but they should still try it because I mean they can race in those conditions. But if it gets too serious like that, maybe just call it and see if it see if they can try it out a little bit, make it a little bit better next time. Okay, Jay, you're up. <laughs> uh, all right, you got a timer. Uh, turn the turn the sand hourglass <laughs> thing over. Uh, I've been waiting an hour and a half. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with Tommy, and it kind of sounded that way across the board. And I'll try and get back to Mike's comments, but things definitely have to change. Uh, I think there was maybe some. Decisions that should have been made sooner. Boyer had recommended using the jet dryers a little bit earlier. And Sharon and I talked about this. The positive thing is we will see some changes. I think back to when they did did this at Charlotte in the rain. They said they had the authority, or it was at their discretion, to call it off due to a heavier rain or heavier puddling. And I don't know if it was because it was the inaugural event there at Circuit of America's and this is a so different style of track than what we've seen before from, with the, the extreme, or, uh, NASCAR side of it, that I think some of those decisions maybe needed to be made a little bit quicker. Uh, I know I'm hearing a lot that the mud flaps are maybe the way to go, so I think that is a possibility. I don't know how that would affect the, the driving and everything else with the car. The one thing I take away, though, is fans that were screaming for oh, it's safe to run with the rain tires. They can do it on Daytona, and they can do it here. And now those are the same ones saying, oh, look at that, that's a wreck, and these drivers are as safety as an issue. Okay, where where was your thought on that when you wanted the tires and wanted them to run mm-hmm. in the rain? 
you know, I, I really struggle with that as far as uh, how the fans react. NASCAR did their due diligence, and it's not just about whether or not the tires have grip. Obviously, it comes down to visibility, because uh, that's what really what I think it came down to. Tommy mentioned it. All the drivers said the visibility was the issue. Uh, so whether their spotter told them, hey, something's happening in front of you, they check up a little bit, just like at super speedways. The third, fourth car back, they don't know that, maybe didn't get that same information immediately from their spotter, and it happens so quick. One guy checks up a little bit, you're doing 100 and some miles an hour up that mm-hmm. front stretch straightaway, and all of a sudden there's a car slowing up, not even necessarily stop, but just slowing up in front of you. You run into them. Two cars behind you, they try and scatter. They run into each other in the wall. I mean, it was nasty. So uh, definitely think that they can continue to run in the rain, but maybe use a little bit better discretion and see some tested and improvements on what they can do to improve visibility, to in, improve the uh, the fogging of the windshield. I know that was one of the focuses. So take the positives from it. I wouldn't give up on it yet. But safety's got to come first, and I know that's what Kevin Harvick was really up in arms about. Absolutely, and I I have to kind of agree with him. I was kind of shocked. Uh, The rain started out, I mean, it was from the very beginning of the race, and you had some drivers that were on slicks. You had some drivers that were on rain tires, and, and... you know, Austin Sindrick, I think, was the only driver up there that had any experience with with that kind of rain on the track, and it really showed. He did really well. On slicks, on the circuit of the Americas, where you have elevations between some of these turns, 20 different turns, and elevation uh, that you're dealing with as well, and on slick tires racing in rain, that is not an easy feat. Uh, and I'm telling you, Austin Sindrick was uh, really showing just how talented he is uh, by being able to race on slicks in that Cup Series race uh, with that heavy rain that they were experiencing. I happened to be listening to uh, Martin Truex Jr.'s radio, and even before, um, uh, you know, all of these accidents, he was talking about the visibility and how hard it was to see. He had some weird things going on with uh, the the spattering from the rain, and they weren't quite figuring out exactly what it was. Well, they, they finally figured out that one of the cars on the track was actually leaking oil, and that oil was ended up on people's windshields, and when you mix that oil with the water and the windshield wiper back and forth on the window, that impacted visibility. So you know they've got to indre- they've got to address that. They, you mentioned the mud flaps might help reduce some of the uh, batter that they were getting from other cars as they were passing by. Um, the, there was fogging happening happening on the windows. Uh, that they had to address. I, I heard them talk about how they had to, uh, uh, when they were, were red flagged, the crew, they lined them up on pit road according to their running order uh, so they didn't go into their pits and lose the running order of the cars. And the crews were actually walking out to the cars. They had 
all these different things that they were carrying with them for, you know, one for the inside of the windshield to address the fog, another one for the outside of the windshield to address the oil that was on the on the uh, windshield. Um, there were NASCAR had to be hearing the same things that I was hearing, and the conversation with Martin Truex was going on for quite some time uh, before they then then that accident happened. And I have to agree with Tommy that I think they should have called it, and and Clint Boyer called this too, they should have called those jet tires out after that first incident because every single driver was talking about how bad the visibility was. And one of the other things that they talked about there is that the taillights are, are I forget what the percentage is, but they're brighter than an average taillight that you and I have on our cars. So... These guys said that they could not see a foot in front of them, and by the time they saw the taillight, it was already too late to, to check up and to do what they had to do. So you're talking about being down there on the track. They had three different spotters, and I heard even then, and Andy, I think you're the one that brought this up, even then, as some of these cars kind of fell out of the race, people were grabbing their spotters to give them a fourth spotter on the track to help with with uh, keeping these drivers. I think there was one part of the track where there was no visibility by a spotter and the drivers couldn't see. So they literally were driving blind around that track, and that had to be a very scary feeling for a lot of these drivers. I think NASCAR should have reacted much more quickly than what they did, and I I think that – you know, a lot of uh, the rest of what happened on the track probably could have been avoided had they done that. Um, now, here's the thing. The rain was probably heavier than we've seen uh, in other NASCAR races. Uh, but, again, we learned a lot from this one. Will it rain this hard every time we're at a road course? Probably not. But at least we know if it does we know we've got to do some things differently for the future. And, uh, you know, that the, the tail lights, the, the, you know, having more spotters on the track, uh, the mud flaps, uh, addressing the fog inside the car as well as, you know, the oil spatter from cars on the track because after Harvey had his incident, he was splattering oil uh, on windshields. I mean, it was just a mess out there. Uh, and it seemed like chaos from listening to the radios. I don't know if you guys listen to radio, uh, but uh, I was hearing a lot of conversation about how difficult it was to see. So, Andy, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. Yeah, so the short answer is, can they race in the rain? Yeah, I think they can. Um, but I think they probably learned a lot from yesterday. Um, it seemed like early in the race, Obviously, we saw the issues with those accidents there about, I guess it was probably a third of the way through the race. And then we had a stretch where the field got strung out and things seemed to be okay with some light rain. Um, the real big issue that I saw, and thankfully, um, Fox Sports 1 ran a rerun of the race, actually, that just finished about 15 minutes ago. So I was able to go back and watch the entire thing. And really, the issue that I saw late in the race was just too much rain, too much standing water on the racetrack. Uh, that was the real big issue, I think. And, and that 
is why they called the race when they did. And, and for that, I think NASCAR made the right decision um, just because there was just far too much standing water on the track and cars, even with the rain tires, were starting to get out of control. Visibility also an issue. And one of the things I was actually thinking of today was, you know, well, you know, the Xfinity Series ran that race in the monsoon at the uh, Charlotte Roval last fall, and they ran that race to its completion in pretty horrendous conditions. But um, Briscoe actually brought it up in his post-race interview that that race, the visibility was better. They could somehow see better, whereas at uh, the race yesterday, they couldn't see very well, and therein lies the problem. So um, I think just too much water on the track and limited visibility is why they called it when they did. NASCAR made the right decision in that case. Um, but I think things can be learned from this. I know the Xfinity Series has run maybe a handful of races with some rainy conditions, but with the exception of the Roval last fall, I'm not sure that anything really compared uh, to what we had, you know, what we saw yesterday as far as the amount of water on the racetrack. So, um, and yesterday was the first cup race, I believe, in the history of the sport where they ran the race entirely in the rain. So, you know, not a lot of not a lot of data to really look back on uh, as far as what to do. And I think it takes a race like this to, to learn and uh, possibly make changes And what those are. You know, maybe they improve windshield wipers, defogging mechanisms, some kind of mud flaps or some kind of guard to, to prevent the spray from being as bad as it is. I think the rooster tails you know, from the backs of the cars is what really killed the visibility. So um, just some thoughts there maybe as to what they can do. And, and I think moving forward, they can improve visibility, improve the safety aspect of drivers being able to see. And I think that that will, you know, allow them to, to race in the rain, uh, you know, with some precipitation, you know, in a safe manner, um, you know. So I think there's always going to be things to take away from events like this, um, you know, and I think, I do think there is a certain point in time when, when too much water is too much. And I think that they hit that point yesterday and, you know, I'm not going to criticize NASCAR for the point at which they, they called the race, obviously, you know, maybe they could have done it earlier. Sure. But, you know, they finally got to a point where they realized it was too much and, and they, and they made that decision. So I think it was the right decision and, um, you know, certainly things to be taken away from it, but can they race in the rain on, on the road courses? Yeah, they can. Um, you know, I think they can, like I said, make some improvements, and I think that they uh, can do so when it's not as torrential, uh, you know, of a downpour on the racetrack. Um, but that kind of answered some questions, and I know we've had a little bit of debate about, you know, should they race in the rain on ovals, and I don't think that's ever going to be in the cards, but uh, <laughs> road courses – Road courses and, and, and maybe, you know, damp conditions on short tracks, sure, I think it's possible. But um, there's a reason that in the history of this sport, we generally run in dry conditions, especially on the ovals. And, you know, I'm sure that that's a tradition that will continue. So, um, but, uh, yeah, definitely think they can do it, you know, with, with some work and improvements and, you know, certainly things to be taken away from and, and learned from this race. Okay, Tommy, your follow-up. Um, since it rained the whole time this weekend, except for like a brief part of the Xfinity series on Saturday, I'm just really hoping they go back again next year because I hope that maybe they can run it again while it's sunny and it, um, won't be like that, um, for sure. So that would be cool if they did that. I don't know if they will. I've been seeing on Twitter where, you know, that's going to probably be a discussion and, you know, going forward, are they going to go back? So 
I really hope they do. And then I wanted to actually add on what you said. Austin Cendrick was dominating. I really thought there for a moment he was going to win, and I was like, wow. <laughs> Maybe they should have moved him to, to, to the uh, 21 car this year, but um, – um, actually kind of happy to see that maybe Brad will go to the six car and then maybe they can put Cindric in the two and Matt stay where he's at in the 21. Um, that would be a, a perfect um, world though. So maybe that'll happen. Um, but yeah, he was, he was looking good. So was AJ. I mean, I really felt there that some of those Xfinity guys were actually going to come up and win. Um, Michael McDowell looked good. It was it was actually still a good race in the rain. Um, I'm curious to see the viewership. I know that'll come out later this week probably. Um, Matthew McConaughey was there. Tyreek Hill. Well, no, Matthew McConaughey just did the uh, um, the uh, the Grand Marshal, but he wasn't there. But that's awesome. If they go back, they should definitely get him to do it in person this time there. Um, it's such a good location, I think, and that's just another reason why they should go back, just because of the location and the track. Just hopefully this time it will be sunny. Uh, really hope they go back next year. Um, this they can definitely race in the rain though. Um, they should still continue to do that. This next time that there's a downpour, maybe they should pull it over or use the uh, jet air dryers. Okay, Jay. All right. Well, I'm going to start with uh, with reading Mike's comments. Uh, He's the one that actually put the topic up already yesterday afternoon, I think. Uh, His uh, group message here, my take, they absolutely should. If we're going to build these guys as the best drivers in the world, they need to stick with it. The best in a profession earn their money when conditions are at the worst. With that said, I think there will be some lessons learned both on NASCAR's part as well as the team's. I think the teams learned the hard way that the windshield wiper isn't something to cut corners on, and the minimum effort cheesy wiper a lot of teams seem to have run will likely be a thing of the past. I also bet they upgrade the defog system inside the windshield. And on NASCAR's part, they should look into some kind of mud flap spray deflector to try to capture the spray from the tires and direct it back down to the surface versus up in the air. Uh, so that was from Mike Orzel. I know he wasn't able to be on tonight. Has some strong opinions on it. Uh, I'm going to argue with what I just read from him because <laughs> he's not here. But no, just because they are the best in the world, you can't just say they have to deal with it. And that's the first part of his statement is it kind of lends me towards that. But he did say that the teams as well as NASCAR are going to learn from it. And the one thing I want to do in my follow-up, though, is talk about the drivers do still have some responsibilities. If they are causing the spray in the air and whatever, they have the capability to let off the gas or whatever. And I know from what I said earlier, you know, that it kind of contradicts it. But we saw Austin Sindrick. He got mentioned. And he was doing it on slick tires. He wasn't even doing it on (laughs) rain tires. The Xfinity Series and Truck Series had some great racing. Now, I know there was heavier rain. I understand that. The cup cars are a little bit more with horsepower. When it comes to the trucks, they may spray out differently. I don't know. I couldn't compare that one to the other. So there are some other factors, but it just seemed to me like those drivers handled it, and the cup drivers, the top drivers, didn't. Like I said, I'm not taking away that maybe the rain was heavier and other factors. So 
but I think the drivers do have some more control of it, and we saw that from Austin Sindrick. We've talked about some different things, uh, and I do think that NASCAR moving forward, the teams, NASCAR, the, the as a whole, everybody, they're going to come with some improvements, procedure improvements. I know, and we've talked about this one before, the going to the single file restarts. Yeah, you don't like it because it's not what's the norm, but I think that was a great move. The bringing the jet dryers out, especially again, this is different per track. That track and where the water was running and sitting uh, was a great move. I I know Andy said he doesn't want to criticize NASCAR, but I almost have to. I think those, I think they should have done those things earlier than they did. And again, if they're the ones that are going to push this to get the race in, they should be making these decisions before there's an accident and they're reacting to it. Be proactive. When they had the Charlotte Roval, they said up front, we'll call it if we feel it's too deep, too wet, too heavy, whatever. Well, Sharon mentioned you heard drivers screaming it, then why didn't they react before we had some of these incidences? That's where I have the problem. Uh, I don't want to be real negative, but to me it was almost like they were determined to get this inaugural event in. Had it not been the inaugural event, I think some decisions might have been made differently. That's just my opinion from the outside looking in. Yeah, I have to say I kind of felt the same way. It kind of felt like they were trying to push the issue a little bit. Uh, but all of these drivers were talking about visibility and uh, that they couldn't see, they were driving blind. Um, and, and I think NASCAR should have responded sooner. And I don't necessarily see that as a criticism of NASCAR. I mean, we're all learning, uh, and it's easy to look at it in hindsight and say, you know, things should have been done differently. Uh, but I would think at this point NASCAR would agree with that too. There is one thing I wanted to kind of clarify, though, real quick, and that is that there's a difference between what happened uh, during the race and when they brought the jet dryers out earlier in the race and then what happened at the end of the race when they brought out the jet drivers dryers. When earlier in the race that when they put the jet dryers out on the track, they were actually effective in really getting a lot of that moisture up off the track and getting to the dryer surface. When they did it at the end of the race they couldn't keep up with the amount of rain that was coming down, and they were not effective in getting the rain, water up off of the track. And that, that's why NASCAR had to call the race at that point. So uh, the intensity of the rain was just that much more intense at the end of the race, and NASCAR did make the right call. Um, and, and, and I agree, um, you know, that we should – still race on on uh, the road courses in the rain if, it, if the weather just happens to fall that way. But I'm with Tommy. I, I really would love to see them come back to Circuit of the Americas. And hopefully, the, you know, it's sunny skies and, and uh, you know, not a cloud in the sky and we're able to get out there and watch the race without having to worry about the rain. Um, especially at a track like Circuit of the Americas because of all the elevation and the increased number of turns that they have to deal with. And some of those turns are pretty tight. So I'd love to see them go back there, uh, but I'm praying that if they do go back, that there's no pain uh, for that next race at Circuit of the Americas. Andy, uh, 
I think I'm going to go ahead and go before you take your uh, turn. I just want to uh, make the announcement that uh, for our new time listeners, uh, we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, That means that you're probably going to hear us go off the air saying something mid-sentence. Just know that we continue recording once we go off the air, and that recording is available as part of our bonus overtime material. Now, we got cut off on Thursday night, was it? Uh, And so we may not be able to go as long as we've been going, which is about a half hour past the time. So just know that that could happen as well. We could end up getting cut off even during the bonus overtime material and not get an opportunity to say our regular goodbyes uh, and the roundtable that we do at the end of the show. So that also is a possibility. So with that, Andy, we'll, if you want to give your uh, follow-up thoughts here. Yeah, just to follow up real quick for sure, um, you know, this is a different officiating crew than those who called the Xfinity Series race. Um, different race director, I'm sure. I'd have to go back and look. But, you know, different people called the shots last fall in allowing that race to complete itself versus, you know, the cup race yesterday. And, you know, I, I go back to previous comments that I made in that this was the first ever cup race run exclusively in the rain. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether these are senior officials or not, there's not a lot of experience um, in determining that right time to, you know, call a race. And that's why it's always easy for all of us to go back and say, could have done this, should have done that. But the Mm -hmm. fact of the matter is until you've done it yourself or you've been in that position, you really can't criticize anybody for that because none of them have ever been in that position before. Um, So I I do think that when things got to be too wet and and too much water on the track, that's when they pulled the plug. And just from having watched it again, you know, this evening, I mean, the track really didn't look too, too bad until late in the race where it was just standing water everywhere. And at that point, you know, it's just too much. So I, I just think you can learn from it and I'm sure they will. And I think that whenever we go um, back to a racetrack with some rain, you know, there'll be some improvements and and certainly uh, with five more road courses on the schedule this season, um, there's a good chance we'll see rain again. So, um, there's always room for improvement in learning. And, you know, I certainly hope that, uh, you know, they'll be able to, to figure something out, but, um, you know, I, I, it is what it is. I, I do hope they come back to circuit of the Americas. It's, um, it's a race weekend I'd, I'd really like to do next season. So I, I think it has a place on the schedule. seems like a great facility, great town, and, uh, seemed like a great turnout despite the inclement weather. So, um, Hopefully, uh, hopefully they come back. I'm sure they will, and hopefully we see some improvements and, and things get better as far as uh, knowing when and when not to race in the rain. Okay. Just to add to my comments earlier, uh, I will go out on Twitter when we are finished here and put out a note to everybody to let them know that the podcast is available. At that point, you can fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So I neglected to say that earlier, and I wanted to make sure I got that in. Okay, Tommy, uh, it's up to you for the next hot topic. Uh, let's go with um, Metro Tech is going to sponsor Larson for the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, can't believe it's already time for the 600 this weekend. Okay. Uh, Jay, you get your first step here. 
Well, this is one again. Unfortunately, Mike's not here to 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 go against me, but I know at the beginning of the season when he signed with Hendrick and they talked about whether or not they had full sponsorship, I wasn't concerned about it. Uh, it may take some time. It was going to take uh, effort on Kyle Larson's part to prove to sponsors. I really wasn't concerned about it, and obviously neither was Rick Hendrick. That's why he signed him. He was willing to commit to him uh, based on what he saw and he knew they could do in the future. They say winning cures everything. He's won. He's running a very consistent, uh, would we say, third in points. Uh, so this isn't a surprise, and I think you're going to see more and more of it. Uh, as a society, hopefully we can all be that way of not accept the mistakes, but they paid the debt and move on. Don't uh, hinder them from being able to. So I think this is a good thing. Uh, I'm glad to see it, and I think we are going to see more of it down the line. Okay, Andy. Yeah, I, I totally agree with uh, with Jay on that one. Um, just a top talent, arguably um, one of, if not the most talented driver in the field, quite frankly. Um, and obviously maybe some sponsor apprehension um, to start the season, but I think when you look at the success that he's had, the success that, that Hendrick Motorsports is having, it's not a surprise that companies are starting to come on board and, and yes, HendrickCars.com has been on the car a lot this year, but I mean, whether he had sponsorship or not, that car is fully funded uh, by Hendrick Motorsports for the season. So, um, yeah, really no concern there, in my opinion. And uh, I think the interest in Larson only gets better from here, and more and more people will, will probably come on to support him. So, uh, not a big surprise when you look at the season that he's had, and. Uh, you know, I'm sure it'll uh, only improve from here, sponsorship-wise. Yeah, I have to echo the same sentiments as everybody else so far. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Larson has uh, shown that he's a talented driver on the track. Uh, he's doing a lot of things to show his, uh, uh, you know, kind of redeem himself from what happened. And, uh, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, take care of his situation there. And uh, I think it's time for sponsors to start stepping up and and supporting uh, Kyle Larson. They say the best way to get sponsorship is to do well on the track, and Kyle Larson is certainly doing that. So uh, not a lot to add there because uh, you guys are all – I'm pretty much echoing what's already been said. But, Tommy, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, I really like the five throwback um, car to Ricky Hendrick, and uh, I'm pretty sure Brian Vickers ran the paint scheme too, if I remember. But uh, uh, seeing that he's getting sponsorship, I'm like you guys. I'm not really surprised. That car is running in the top five basically every week. Um, He's probably going to get another win here soon. It's just a matter of time, in my opinion. Um, Then again, with this season, there's been so many different winners. I mean, Chase Elliott just got his first victory. I mean, he's a the last one and Hendrick to get a victory. But, um, I mean, uh, he's got nation's guard, I believe, or something like that too. And I actually like that paint scheme as well. Um, of course I miss Terry Labonte's the most, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just not surprised uh, that he's, uh, getting sponsorship. It was just a matter of time. I mean, he's, he's only going to get more here. I mean, it, it's still probably not going to be like, Bubba Wallace's sponsorship by McDonald's and DoorDash and stuff, but um, he's going to get some sort of sponsorship for sure here um, because he's going to win again soon for sure. 
Okay, Jay, any follow-up? Did I lose Jay? Yeah, it's it's no, it's all been said. Um, like I said, I, I really wasn't concerned about it from the get-go. The, the other factor to consider too, though, and we saw this in the truck series with Sheldon Creed. If you have a championship team, you're not going to accept a little bit of money for. Uh, I'm trying to think how Sheldon Creed put it. We're a championship team. We're worth more than what certain sponsors were putting out there. I'll just put it that way. So they are a top organization. They are winning. They're not just going to accept anything to put something on it versus having, in this case, they don't run a blank white car like uh, Creed does in the trucks, but they run HendrickMotorsports.com. And and to me, and I know I've had this conversation with Mike, that's still advertisement. Hendrick.com is going to advertise somewhere. They put money into advertising. If it's on the cup car, so be it. If not, it's going to be on a billboard. So I don't see that as them having to cover that bill. They're just choosing where to spend their advertising money. Now, in the trucks with Sheldon Creed, they're running it blank to make the point. We're not going to accept less than what we feel we're worth. So that's something to consider. And I know when we talk about, uh, especially with Hendrick Motorsports, that Maybe they are limited on it, but they're also saying, hey, this is our value. This is what we're worth. If you're not going to pay it, then you're going to have to go somewhere else. And I respect that. I I really do. Uh, You know, if they can manage to do it and stand by that, that's great. And I think there's a point to be made that, yeah, if you're a championship team and what your value is, you know, as with any athlete or whatever, you get your value, you know. So, um, but like I said, I think uh, come championship time playoffs, I highly doubt we see Hendrick, uh, dot, HendrickCars.com on his car during the playoffs if he's in it battling for the championship. Okay. Andy? I don't really have any follow-up for this one. I'm good. Okay. I think I'm I'm pretty good, too. So, Tommy, any final thoughts on your end? Uh, just hope he keeps on running. Uh, excuse me. I just keep on hoping that he runs that number five paint scheme still to throw back to Ricky Hendrick. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right, uh, so let's see. Jay, that puts you up for the next top topic. Well, I don't know that we had another one listed on our uh, on our sheet. I'm scrolling through there. Yeah, uh, so we might be done early so. tonight. Well, uh, I do have one. Uh, kind of get your your guys' opinion. I kind of threw it into one of my statements. Are the Cup Series drivers being too aggressive when it comes to certain things? Being that we we saw, I mentioned the Xfinity Series and the trucks drivers able to handle the rain. And I say I know there's more factors, different car, heavier rain, but. Are we seeing that that the cup drivers are being too aggressive? Uh, how do I say that? Bigger ego maybe even? That, hey, we can handle it versus being a little more cautious, being that it was an unknown. Okay, Andy, you get to uh, tackle that one first. I'm sorry, can you repeat the question on that real quick? The Xfinity Series and Truck Series drivers handled running in the rain. It may not have been as heavy a rain and the same conditions, but we've seen it in the past where we expect the trucks or Xfinities as younger, less experienced drivers have the problem 
whereas it's the cup drivers that have the problem. So is it that the drivers are being too aggressive because they're at the top level, I guess? That's a really good point. Um, I, I don't really know. Uh, that's, a, that's a good, really good question, actually. Um, you know, it just it, it just seems to me that, uh, you know, honestly, if it weren't for the accidents yesterday, I'm not sure you would have really heard a lot of complaining other than, you know, drivers mentioned the lack of visibility, but certainly those involved in those two big wrecks, um, you know, were, were quite vocal, specifically Harvick. I think he had some pretty pretty heavy words for the, about the safety of it. So, um, you know, it is interesting. It is interesting for sure. But, you know, the cup guys uh, have never really had to race in the rain, at least in cup cars, um, whereas we we have seen it more in, in, you know, the Xfinity series over the last few years. And it's almost like, you know, maybe, maybe these guys just accept it more. I'm not sure. You know, great question that I, I don't honestly have a great answer to, but, um, I just feel like yesterday was the first two tre- first true test for a lot of these cup guys, and you know it, it might have been it just might be something that they'll get more and more used to over time. But make no mistake, these are you know extremely talented, versatile drivers. There's a reason they race in the Cup Series, um, and that's because of their talent level, no doubt. But um, you know it just kind of seems like, to your point, that you know trucking Xfinity guys just kind of accept it and, and deal with the conditions, whereas you know, the cup guys, you know, were more vocal about it. But again, you know, had there been no accidents, who knows how vocal they really would have been. I think, you know, like anything, when it affects you, then you become upset about something. Um, But if it doesn't affect you, you might not be so vocal. Okay. Um, Tommy, your thoughts. Um. Well, I was going to say Todd Gillen won on uh, Saturday, and I, I can't remember who won the Xfinity race um, right, right now. But um, Kyle Busch. Oh, yes, that's right. Kyle Busch dominated. That's why I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely dominated. I remember that now. Um, in the 54 Skittles car. Oh, geez. But, um, yeah, Kevin Harvick was definitely upset for sure. Um, and, I mean, after you kind of watch those replays over and over again, I kind of agree. I mean, they could not see. That spray was everywhere. I mean, they were even spaced all out, and it was just so much. And um, I can see the complaining there um, and the talent level. Were they aggressive? I mean, Cole Custer did come flying in, but maybe maybe his spotter didn't relay the message to him in time or something. But um, they should have honestly just called the race at that point. That should have been what happened there. But in regards to the talent level, I mean, I always feel like they do the test runs on the Xfinity and the truck series sometimes. Cause I were I didn't even realize that they ran rain tires until like two or three years ago. I feel like I was watching an Xfinity race at like a, the Charlotte Roval or Daytona Road Course maybe even or something, and they were like throwing all the rain tires. I was like, well, wait, they race in the rain at road courses? So, I mean, I thought it was kind of a new thing, but then I did realize that Mark Martin tested it way back in the day in like 1996 at Watkins Glen or something. So, And that they ran – and they ran them in Japan, I think, in one of those one-off races over there. But um, 
I just I don't know really how to answer the question either. Um, the, I feel like that they are always aggressive in the Cup Series, and you do see more problems. But that's just what makes the race more interesting, like the cautions and everything like that. So, um, and I feel like in the Xfinity and trucks, there wasn't very many cautions. Like there were like those local cautions, almost like they're doing the I racing. All right. Well, I know it's coming back to my turn around. Uh, Andy, I know you're the co-host, but I don't know if you saw Sharon's message. I'd say we got three to five minutes here based on uh, last Thursday's night. Sharon got booted off again, so looks like about ten minutes, and then we got about a couple minutes to spare here. So I, I do see some that I think that the NASCAR drivers or the cup-level drivers aren't as cautious or timid because they feel like they've been there, done that, and they can handle it. But also on that side of it, like Tommy mentioned, NASCAR should have stepped in. I I think we all kind of agreed on that. Uh, They definitely made the right decision at the end of the race, uh, for sure. And they did learn even within that race. Uh, Sharon mentioned it. The earlier time of using the jet dryers, when they tried to do it at the end of the race, they knew they weren't making the same progression so thus called the race. So there was learning right there within the race itself within a couple of hours. So that's good to see. We'll see some better things in the future. I have no doubt about that because I do think that their intent is to move forward, both at Coda, the rain tires, racing in the rain, but they got to go about it safely and smartly and improve where they can. And I know there's several drivers in the garage area that are all about safety. I'm sure we'll hear about that in the coming weeks. Um, so we'll see those improvements. And with that, Andy, I don't know if you want to try and start the roundtable, because I don't know how long we're going to have left. Yeah, no, really good thoughts on that, Jay. I don't have any follow-up, so yeah, um, both uh, we'll go to you first, and let's do our Twitter handles and talk about what we're working on, and we'll wrap it up, because I don't want to get kicked out like last time. (laughs) All right, well, with that... uh, Sharon said, my answer is that I don't think the Cup Series guys were too aggressive. They ran 59-plus miles while the trucks in Xfinity ran at 70. As one indicator, they were actually being more cautious. Um, Okay, so she's on that side a little bit of that, that it really was just based on the conditions, which I do understand, so uh, I can't dispute that. Uh, My following, you can follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And right now, I don't have any uh, mega thoughts on articles, but uh, there's certainly uh, some storylines that I think are, are going to develop here coming down the line, especially as we get closer to the playoffs on who's in and who's out. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. And I'll turn it over to Tommy. Uh, at NASCAR fan since 95, or NASCAR. Since 95 fan, I can't remember what my Twitter handle is. I got to change it because I created it not too long ago. Um, but uh, I just had an article come out on uh, about SRX Racing Series. Um, check it out. And uh, like Jay just said, uh, except I'm going to add to it, I think Silly Season's already begun because last week Brad Kay and the six car and everything. So there should be an article brew, uh, brewing here in the future for sure. All right, awesome. And for me, Andy, uh, on Twitter at CB14Fan, and uh, obviously big thanks to Sharon for letting us come on and do this each week. So um, you can follow her and uh, the Fan for Racing blog. It's uh, at Fan for Racing site on Twitter. Uh, I believe she's also on Facebook as well. So um, definitely thankful to her, thankful to you guys, and 
appreciate everyone being on. I think we'll call that a wrap, as she would always say. All right, and Andy, I know you're on call for me uh, Thursday night. Y'all have a great show. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a vacation, so appreciate you filling in. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.